listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. This morning I'll be reading two passages from Leviticus 12 and also from Leviticus 15, 19 through 31. My apologies in advance if I say an inadvertent word. It's a very difficult passage with some tongue twisters in here, although I have made notes. So, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a woman conceives and bears a male child, she shall be ceremonially unclean seven days, as at the time of her menstruation she shall be unclean. On the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Her time of blood purification shall be 33 days. She shall not touch any holy thing or come into the sanctuary until the days of her purification are completed. If she bears a female child, she shall be unclean two weeks as in her menstruation. Her time of blood purification shall be 66 days. When the days of her purification are completed, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb in its first year for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. He shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement on her behalf. Then she shall be clean from her flow of blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, male or female. If she cannot afford a sheep, she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement on her behalf, and she shall be clean. From Leviticus 15, when a woman has a discharge of blood that is her regular discharge from her body, she shall be in her impurity for seven days, and whoever touches her shall be unclean until the evening. Everything upon which she lies during her impurity shall be unclean. Everything also upon which she sits shall be unclean. Whoever touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until the evening. Whoever touches anything upon which she sits shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until the evening, whether it is the bed or anything upon which she sits. When he touches it, he shall be unclean until the evening. If any man lies with her and her impurity falls on him, he shall be unclean seven days, and every bed on which he lies shall be unclean. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, not at the time of her impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond the time of her impurity, All the days of the discharge, she shall continue in uncleanness. As in the days of her impurity, she shall be unclean. Every bed on which she lies during all the days of her discharge shall be treated as the bed of her impurity. And everything on which she sits shall be unclean, as in the uncleanness of her impurity. Whoever touches these things shall be unclean and shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until the evening. If she is cleansed of her discharge, she shall count seven days, 
and after that she shall be clean. On the eighth day she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons and bring them to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting. The priest shall offer one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. And the priest shall make atonement on her behalf before the Lord for her unclean discharge. Thus, you shall keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanness so that they do not die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle that is in their midst. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Julie, so much for that reading. And yay. Right, guys? Are you guys so excited for this sermon? (laughs) So, um, Dan, Pastor Dan and his family are out of town in New York City. Well, they're back in town now, but that's where they were this week. Um, And he came to me a few months ago and he says, do you want to preach on the ladies' verses in Leviticus? And I was like, yes, that sounds amazing. And then I start reading. And I start reading. And I'm like, the only thing that we get is childbirth and periods. That's the only thing in Leviticus that is directed specifically to women. So thank you to the Patriarchal Society in which it was written. And you're welcome, church. (laughs) So... If you had told me a year and a half ago that I would have been preaching on periods, even mentioning menstruation from the pulpit, I would have laughed at you and said that is an unspoken thing. Um, I I learned that you don't talk about such things. Things are kept quiet. And yet, here I am with a microphone. So, I hope that by the end of this, I will be more comfortable. You might be less comfortable Um, but I hope that I get to teach you something as well. And yes, men, there are things in here for you, I promise, I promise. So this is going to be an awesomely awkward sermon, and we're going to start with childbirth. So as we've been walking through the book of Leviticus, I will give you a little bit of just catch up. We've been kind of dropping in on verses, um, on sections of scripture, and just finding the spiritual wisdom that we can still use today. Um, It was specifically written to the Israelites, and they were learning how to be holy as God is holy. So before I get started, we're going to go back and remember some of the points that Pastor Dan pointed out when we were doing the purity verses a few weeks ago. Um, God taught us to respect the boundaries between life and death. So why all this talk about blood and discharges? Um, you might be thinking, as I used to think, childbirth and periods, it's just a normal part of life. Um, God made us to function like this. And yet, being holy as God is holy means that the Israelites needed to respect that line between life and death. Blood represented life, and therefore the loss of blood represented death. To bring death or someone who could be on the cusp of death into the temple would be bringing something unholy into a holy place. And medical science wasn't what it used to be. Infant and mother mortality mortality rates um, weren't great, and death because of hemorrhage was a real fear. So that line between life and death could have easily been crossed. The second point is that the details matter to God. 
When you're dealing with a new creation, and that's where Israel is right at this time when Leviticus was being written. They were new, set-apart community, living for God. So the distinctions to God mattered, or the details mattered to God. And the last point is that remember that God is concerned with all of life. They didn't have a word that meant spiritual, so everything was spiritual. Um, So childbirth and menstruation then falls under that idea that everything is spiritual, and they matter to God. So we're going to jump back to our verses, and we're going to talk about the historical place of women in this time. For the most part, we were property. Um, We were property by the men in our lives. Our fathers and our brothers owned us as we helped take care of the house and made meals and and took care of other children. And then when we were married off to somebody our fathers chose, we were then to take care of our own homes and make meals and have a large family. We were regarded less than a man. When we read these verses in our current cultural mindset, we hear that a woman who has given birth or has her period, is no longer able to function fully within her community. At first read, we hear that we are to continue to stay in that same role that we have all known up to this point. We continue to be second-class, unclean citizens. But that's at first read. So we want to remember to always read the Bible in context. And a second reminder is that clean does not equal good, and unclean does not mean bad. Just like when the unclean animals were talked about, Pastor Dan specifically pointed out that some of these animals were potentially set apart to give them more respect and to protect them as as many of them were different from the other animals in their groups. So I'm going to propose here that Leviticus is setting up this same idea, but transcending it to women. Only women could do the one thing that a new set-apart society needed to grow and thrive, carry and birth children. Not just children, but healthy children. Following this logic then, women need to be set apart and then protected in a culture that was surrounded by other communities living different from the Israelites. Um, I'm going to point a few different observations out. The first one is in Leviticus 12, verses 1 through 2. Um, In some versions, it doesn't say people. It actually says men. Um, In the NRSV, it does say people. So either they're speaking to everybody or they are speaking or God is speaking directly to the men. And so it's not specifically written to women, just about women. And the men were right there receiving the same instructions about what a woman was to do during this time of her life. The men and women were told that we are not to touch consecrated things. We are not to enter the sanctuary. Women were told to do less after childbirth. So in Leviticus, God is telling the men to give us a break. Right? Right? I like that. Um, I see Leviticus 12 as a gift to new moms. Um, 40 days of rest if it's a little boy, 80 days of a rest if it's a little girl. There's speculation as to why there's a difference. Um, 
Of course, I picked out the interpretation that was my favorite, which is because women were held in high regard, they were given more time with mom, but they don't really know why there's a difference, so we're just gonna, I'm gonna hold that one now. Um, so after her allotted time, not being in community, not going to the temple, being able to fully concentrate on her baby and her in her home, she would then bring sacrifices and be rendered clean and joined back into the community at full capacity. As Pastor Dan spent a lot of time on sacrifices, we are not going to go back there, but feel free to podcast if you did not listen to all of the why he sacrificed, why we had to sacrifice things. Um, the second point that I want to say in this chunk, this Leviticus 12 chunk, is that God is advocating for maternity leave. So God is showing us that we actually need to allow a woman to heal and bond with her baby fully before she enters back into the greater community. So the United States, I didn't know this until this week, is only one of two countries in the world that does not have a federal mandated paid maternity leave, but allows each state to decide this on their own. Because of FMLA, her job is safe for 12 weeks, but she is not required to be paid. So about 30% of new moms report not taking any significant leave from work. And they go right back to having a newborn. This breaks my heart. And I cannot help but think that this adds to our mental health problems here in the United States. Um, as a mom and as one who's ch um, studied child development, this is such a special time between mom and her baby, um, and it's necessary for healthy development and for bonding. Um, so I have five biological kids. Most of you know that. Um, I do have a problem with doing way too much. Um, that is also probably known by most people here. Um, McKenna, my third child, was born, and I was on a leadership team in a church out in Arizona. Uh, I didn't, we owned a business, so we didn't have like a maternity leave policy. I kind of went back whenever I felt like going back. Um, but because I was on a leadership team, I had a different level of pressure on me. Uh, she was born on December 21st, and I was at church on Christmas Eve. So three days later, and I think back now, and I am full of pain that I felt like I had to show up there, and that it was almost expected. I didn't feel that there was room for me to stay home, and I remember the church receiving me with, it's so good to see you, it's so nice to meet your baby, and they should have received me with, go home. What are you doing here? Um, we have your food covered, here's a meal train, because I know that that's what would happen here if I was to have another. Um, but we forget the maternity leave and that break that's required that God is asking us is more than just work. It's everything that we do. And our culture continues to press toward overactivity, and we forget that it's important to sit and heal after all body-altering situations. God is calling us to live differently because God cares about the details. Okay, so that's childbirth in a nutshell. You excited to jump into periods? <laughs> I got a whole lot of shaking of no's over there in the, the 
Come on, guys, it's so much fun. Um, before we jump into there, I want to talk about some common misconceptions um, that these women were pushed out of their homes. There are some cultures around the world that still do practice a menstruation hut or a situation in which they do have to leave um, as they were looked at as disease-ridden or curse-filled or taboo to be near. There are cultures that still practice this. However, Leviticus 15 and really all of Leviticus does not set us up to believe that that was God's intention. Um, I know that there are books like The Red Tent, and I know that Rachel Held Evans wrote a really good book that talked about how women were to be in, or how women were looked at in the Bible. And that is one of those things that I could not find specific research based on this time period. So I'm going under the assumption that women were not forced out of their home at this time in history. However, not for nothing, chances are my family would enjoy it if I left for a few days every month. But that's not what God is calling us to do. My kid and my husband are saying yes up in the sound booth. That's not very nice. <laughs> so Leviticus 15 starts out with instructions to men. Uh, we ignored those verses. Sorry, guys. But I will bring one up in here. Uh, Leviticus 15:11 says, "All those whom the one with the discharge touches without his having rinsed his hands in water shall wash their clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening." So men with discharges, you can wash your hands and touch things, but we get women, here's where it gets good. We actually don't have to wash our hands. It doesn't tell us anywhere in Leviticus, I'm just kidding, that's disgusting. Please wash your hands. Um, but we can actually touch anything that we want. Leviticus 15 is very specific. Others are not to touch you, are not to touch your bed, and are not to steal your seat. Um, he gives her a week in which she can rest, at least a little bit. Um, she does not have to go to temple. No one is to touch her, and yes, no one can steal her seat at the table, which for me sounds like heaven in my time of life. God deeply loved women. It goes on in Leviticus 15:24 to say that if any man lies with her and her impurity falls on him, he shall be unclean seven days, and every bed on which he lies shall be unclean. So not only is God giving us a break, but he's making sure that men know that this was the woman's week off. No man was even to be in bed with her. She was to be left alone. Both of these directives regarding childbirth and periods have the same main message. Women need to take it easy. We can do so much. Our plates can be so full but God is asking us to take a break, a cyclical monthly break and time when we have a baby to rest, heal, and remember that God cares about the details of our lives, that even this time of the month is spiritual. Okay, so then what happens when you have a discharge that's longer than seven days? Leviticus 15:25 and verse 28 says it out pretty clearly. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, not at the time of her impurity, 
Or if she has a discharge beyond the time of her impurity, all the days of the discharge, she shall continue in uncleanness as in the days of her impurity. She shall be unclean. If she is cleansed of her discharge, she shall count seven days, and after that she shall be clean. So if you are a woman, or you know a woman, um, it's likely that you have heard about issues that arise from the uterus. There was a time in my life um, when more than half of the month I would have been rendered unclean and unable to be part of community under Levitical law. So the idea of one week where I'm able to be mindful of rest and no one steals my seed and no one touches me sounds amazing, but more than a week? That's awful. That sounds awful to me. But enter Jesus. Jesus changes all of us. Luke 8, verses 42 through 48. I will, should be up there for you. As Jesus went, the crowds pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years, and though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his clothes, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and press in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I noticed that power had gone out from me. When the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This woman spent 12 years unclean. No one could touch her. No one could sit where she sat, share a bed, come up and hug her. She would have felt so lonely. She couldn't go to the temple. That's where their community got together. She was probably alone at this point in her life. For the Israelite society, it was this that tossed her out of the community. As a woman, I know I have felt unclean like this. Men, this is where you can relate. It's definitely something you might have experienced as well. There are things that can make us feel like we're broken. Things that can cast us out of the community that we're in. Stuff that makes it hard to fall at the feet of Jesus. I want you to take a moment and think about the worst thing that you've done or that's been done to you. That's where this woman was at. This was one of the worst things a woman at this time in history could have suffered with to be rendered unclean for 12 years, to be cast out of society and to have no hope of anything changing. Her family, her friends, her husband, possibly pushing her to the side as they pursue relationships with those who are clean. So remembering that clean is not equal to good and unclean does not equal bad but that the culture that we find ourselves in has other things that are rendered clean and unclean.
Am I right? So maybe you've experienced this feeling that can come in so many other packages. Maybe you were pregnant and not married. Maybe you experienced abortion. Maybe you've been divorced. Maybe you've been cheated on, or maybe you've cheated. Maybe you've experienced drug and alcohol addiction. The list goes on and on. Whatever the case may be, there may be something in your past that you keep hidden, like I have always kept my period hidden until this day. So like this woman, she silently pushed through the way to get healing from Jesus. She had her last hope in Christ. The crowd was pushing in. She saw her only chance. She probably crawled through, pushed her way through, to just touch the hem of his garment, hoping beyond hope that Jesus would be the answer to her seemingly permanent position in life. Pushing her fears aside that it wouldn't work, pushing aside her doubt, her unclean status, and pressing toward the hope that only Jesus gave her. And Jesus' power showed up because he cares about the details. Levitical law may not have had room for her to be clean, but Jesus released her from her bondage of bleeding and uncleanness. He opened her life back up to be full of peace and welcomed her back into community fully. His gift of grace was there for her, waiting for her to take it. Maybe you're sitting here today thinking there's no way that you would be able to push through all your fears and your uncleanness, thinking that your unclean is too much, so you kept it hidden. Maybe you've hidden something for so long, and you've never really given anyone a chance to know who you fully are, to know where you've been and what you've seen. Maybe you've never even called out to Jesus to heal this part of your life. Make today the day you stop hiding. Make today the day you call out to Jesus, tell a friend, whatever the case may be, I want you to push through that crowd of fears and doubts and push toward the healing that's on the other side. Pushing through the crowd that tells you that you are unclean because Jesus says something different. Or maybe you have been healed and you've been released fully from whatever that thing was or is for you, So what now? How can we be Jesus to those who are stuck, feeling in their feelings of uncleanness? Love. It's simple, yet profound. God loved women enough in Levitical law to remind men that we were not their property and to allow us time to take a break. God loved us all enough to send Jesus to be our healer, When we receive his love and we are in relationship with him daily, we can then love those around us fully. You can lend a hand. You can listen to someone who is hurting. Be willing to just be in someone's uncleanness with them and start to see that person push through that crowd of voices surrounding them. And you may just be able to see them reach out and touch the edge of Jesus' cloak. Please join me in prayer. Help us, Lord, to see your grace. 
Help us put down whatever it is that we have felt is unclean in our life and take up your healing. And then help us to love those around us fully so that they can also experience this same thing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.